This is the Cultural Fluency Podcast with Angel Preto, the French coach. That's me. And today in episode number one, I am with Jackie McGinn. Jackie is an energy healer, hypnotherapist, and writer for intuitive and creative people. And that would include me as we have been working together since 2017. So thank you for being here, Jackie, for the very first episode and welcome. Can you introduce yourself for people who don't know you and tell us a bit about what you do, who you are? Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been since 2017, hasn't it? It is, um, yeah. Woo, quite a journey. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, energy healing and hypnotherapy kind of, um, before that, um, my career has always been, and still is, I'm still a Japanese teacher and I've been an English teacher in Japan and in China and for students in the UK. And um, so there's, there's always been a kind of communication relationship focus. And as we all know, you know, communication is what makes relation makes or breaks relationships basically. Yes. And the way we way ways we communicate um, can harm as well as heal and help and connect so it's helping people who are I suppose kind of only used to the harm version learn about the the version that connects and heals and know what that feels like so that's where the energy healing and the hypnosis comes in so yeah mm -hmm. yeah on, on your website you say that uh, the systems of the world we're living in so systems of communications, the structures of the world, uh, they don't reflect who we really are as humans and they come from a wounded humanity. Uh, can you explain this a bit further or would you like to speak to this situation, which is not ideal? And yeah. And how that came to be, how we can improve it? A lot of it kind of, so it's like when people are wounded, there's often some kind of protection mechanisms that go mm -hmm. around the wound to stop you feeling it. And so um, when you, and, and often kind of like the protections are seeking power or, you know, trying to kind yes. of like overpower others or kind of like give away power so that you stay small and safe, like both, both ends of the spectrum. And that's what we've got at the moment is that we've got power structures in place that are coming from all of this protection around wounding that that's deeper down that hasn't been healed yes. and so that's not who we are that's um we're, we're capable of so much more than mm -hmm. that and when you go inside and you can find out the root of the the kind of power imbalances inside and you know the protection mechanisms keeping those power imbalances in place between people and also between kind of like people in positions of political power influence and you know just you know lay people um the more we can get in and do the healing work that kind of means that these protection mechanisms aren't necessary any longer yes. the more we can live in a world that reflects the best of who we are and mm -hmm. and and we don't have these kind of like power imbalances that kind of create huge chasms between you know the haves and the haves nots and you know all these polarities and divisions and divisive thinking that we've got at the moment mm -hmm. So, so yeah. this, this is the vision towards uh, which you're working towards. And should I say we are working towards? Because you, you also mentioned that this is, uh, these are beliefs that are held by many people around the planet. And that when a critical mass of people realize that this power that they have, then we will live in a different world uh, with systems that work for everyone. And you believe that many people already have this vision. However, it's far from being a majority. Clearly, I, I mean... That would include you and me, and I know a lot of people that probably will come on the podcast later that have a similar vision, but it's very far still from the critical mass. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And I think, you know, we might have um, slightly different, we'd use different language, it might be a slightly different angle, depending on like what experiences we have. But, 
yeah, I mean, power and communication is something I've studied a lot. So that's kind of the lens that I see it through. But it gets it gets enriched and strengthened by talking to people with slightly different versions mm -hmm. of it. And that's all part of the communication piece, isn't it? It's kind of welcoming, welcoming the differences, welcoming the new angles that can kind of um, enrich and sharpen your um, your take on it. Would you say that this just like, I mean, that reaching this kind of vision or this kind of mindset just happens through being in touch with different people? Or would you say that it's a very long journey uh, that has taken you there? Um, you know, for, for people who don't have this mindset at all or who are, feel like, oh, yeah, this is good, but this is very far. Like, how do I become that person? How did you become that person? I suppose, yeah. I mean, my kind of breakdown slash spiritual awakening before that I was utterly powerless I didn't you know mm -hmm. I didn't even vote you know it's like don't see the point kind of you know right. it was around the time the Iraq war was happening and it's like you know there's nothing I can do about that um, while people are out on the streets protesting and you know they're they're, they're taking some kind of action mm -hmm. on it um so yeah it did it did take in my case um I, I, yeah like a massive i suppose yeah cosmic kick up the backside to realize no wait a minute you you you've got power and um yeah and you can use it um yeah in my case it has taken a long time um mm -hmm. but i think everybody kind of everybody does have this sense it might just be buried um underneath conditioning but we all have this sense that like actually um humans are good we might have been trained out of it but mm -hmm. it, it 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 just makes sense you know that we we gravitate towards kind of like kind-hearted people we kind of instinctively know that that's the best of of who we are Yes, uh, I mean, as you know, I, I believe that there are a lot of people who don't believe it at all. I do have a lot of conversations, maybe not a lot, but it still happens that I have conversations with people who have a very different set of beliefs. Mm. And well, we have that on the one hand. On the other hand, we have people who speak about spiritual awakening as if it's a wonderful experience and just only good things. While on the other hand, like you and I and the people who have had spiritual awakenings uh, all know that it's, it's, you know, how did you say a giant cosmic kick? How did you say that? Yeah, I, cosmic kind of like kick up the ass. <laughs> right. I hope there aren't too many children listening, but yes, that's what it is. So yeah. it, it feels like it's really challenging to have an integrated vision and to not feel completely powerless, even if you start seeing pieces of it. Mm. Um, it's, it's difficult to really feel empowered with it. And so I believe this is what you help people with, right? You want to definitely. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And and because you know, you know, we've all we've all got a part to play in it, which is kind of our gifts, experiences, the lessons we've learned, all contribute to it, but not on our own. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the keys is kind of like none of us is here to kind of like save humanity on our own. The whole point is to come into relationship and connection and to do it collectively, contributing our own, um, yeah, contributing our gifts and insights and lessons while supporting others with, with theirs and, you know, helping each other share. I suppose, yeah, like the podcast is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's kind of helping each other share. Yes. And this, however, is the opposite as from what we see in all the movies, like all the superhero movies, where like there's this one person that's exceptional, or even some religious beliefs, like for example, in Christianity, there's this belief of Jesus being so superior to all the rest of us. And that it would take one person, but one special person. And of course, we see it continually not, hap not happening. And I think it's not yeah. even really possible. I do think that one person can change the world, uh, but not alone. Yeah, and I think I think you know a lot of, especially you know the teachings of Jesus have got kind of corrupted by 
power structures of the church mm -hmm. that wanted yes. to put a certain view across, especially like a male dominant view across. And, um, you know, the all the kind of like Gospels of Mary Magdalene and all of this work and kind of, you know, bringing her back into power within that story is, is really important. And I think, you know, the I don't think Jesus himself as a person would particularly like how he's been portrayed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think he was actually so in his heart and so loving that actually he would, um, he'd be appalled at the like being seen as superior when it's like, no, <laughs> that's not it. That's not what I'm teaching. <laughs> how... Well, I don't know if you have an opinion about that, but how as a society or even as a species did we manage to corner ourselves into this, like, it seems that we are moving more and more towards a dead end when if we keep doing what we are doing, mostly it, it's not going to work and it's very soon going to become obvious to everyone that it's not working. And, and how can we help move away from that or move towards something more sustainable but also better for everyone because as you said like it's, it's not just male centric it's like the, the white cisgender heterosexual male uh, who is also rich and able-bodied and neurotypical and 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 uh, i stumbled upon a tiktok a few days ago where a person calculated that it was roughly 5.7 percent of the population who fit this uh, this description wow and they believe that they are the majority or some and actually, most people believe that they are the majority. And at the end of the day, it's 5.7% of the population. 5.7? Wow. Someone on TikTok, uh, Ms. Lovenet. It would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it goes back to that power. Like, mm -hmm. these are all kind of stories that have been shared. Yes. Around, yeah. So, so that we've just... Like, <laughs> <laughs> been conditioned to accept as as true the, mm -hmm. that, that you know that's the way to see the world yes um, so yeah. we're all kind of looking at the world through the very small narrow lens of the perspective of these very small minority who has managed to place themselves at, at the very top of the so-called food chain and they actually use that kind of language too uh, which mm. is scary or social ladder so you always have an idea of an hierarchy and it's easy for the rest of us, you know, the 95 or 94.3 remaining percent to be like, okay, like, like completely, we don't have power against any of that. Or we only have the possibility to be angry. And we also know that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. in, in your work, you have really been doing a lot, particularly for me. I, mean, I, can, I can say it from my perspective, you've really been helping me with uh, moving away from uh, the kind of blocks that I've been having. Um, and I think it's really, really helpful. Maybe you can tell us a bit more uh, on how you help your clients with that. Like concretely, how do you do it? Yeah, so um, it does, it, it tends to go to um, power dynamics in relationships. Um, and often kind of that's coming from like parent, child dynamics that we mm -hmm. have um you know we know more about how to raise kids now um yes. but most of us had parents um who just kind of unconsciously followed what their parents did mm -hmm. and that's often you know using um you know, these ideas that children should be seen, not heard, and that they're kind of inferior beings rather than they're different and have developing brains and certain needs at certain times. And so this kind of, like you know, imbalance of power between parent and, and child leaves a mark and it, you know, leaves us going off into the world still expecting imbalances. Mm -hmm. of, of power and especially you know when the when there's been wounding when we haven't got the love that we've needed or we haven't felt seen or we've felt dominated or manipulated even um into being what parents needed because they're left with needs that were unmet from their childhood 
mm-hmm. but it's kind of you know the more we can go in and meet these needs and heal these wounds the more the kind of power dynamics ease off and the more that we can kind of come into relationships in the here and now more present and with the best of who we are rather than kind of reenacting um like childhood wounding mm-hmm. do, do you think that this is the origin of the most widespread problem of humanity which is the i'm i'm not good enough i mean some people say it's the most widespread problem that just most everybody has the i'm not good enough uh mental block or wound do you think that's yeah i think I think pretty much everybody has inner critic parts of mm-hmm. their mind. And um, the inner critic parts of the mind are protective parts of the mind. And so, you know, like in, in the work that we've done, it's like the parts are like little beings on the inside that kind of copy, um, kind of copy dynamics. Um, and so, so the critics kind of, they have good intentions. So if they're telling us, you know, you're not good enough, they think um, they're, they're, you know, getting us to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know we'll, we'll be accepted more in society. We'll be loved more if we just do this. And so it, it's so interesting how you can, um, you, you know, you can talk to these kind of, little beings you can talk to an inner critic and find out why why are you doing that why are you being so mean Mm -hmm. and then when when you find out why from a place of non-judgment from curiosity not no because none of us respond to kind of being judged or shamed but when you come at it from like you know an open-hearted place of like okay I get that you're trying to help me in some way what what's what's going on there and then when you can um yeah when when you can come at that place the inner critics can soften and tell you why they're doing it and go like well I'm worried you know and usually there's some kind of fear or worry that if you don't do that something bad's gonna happen and so that's why you know they can have this relentless like you're not good enough going on so yeah, I think it, it it's like an internalized part that's kind of trying to keep us up to. I mean, obviously, like there are kind of generalized standards in society as well, like, you know, the Instagram perfection, social media perfection and, um, you know, the perfect body, the perfect life, you know, doing doing everything that you need to do, like being like affluent and helping people and you know all of these but having the perfect relationship the perfect body the perfect diet exercise routine all of these things um you know we can easily kind of slip into like um comparison and i know for you know there's a lot of industries that profit from this mm-hmm. not good enough like you know the beauty industry the diet industry yes. obviously like influencers can you know there are like ethical influencers and there's the ones that you know are in it for for money mm-hmm. um so yeah there's a lot of profit to be made from these insecurities and not good enough but if you go into our minds there's a positive intent right. um yeah so, but we have to do this, like, because this is all mostly going on subconsciously. So it's something yes. we have to do at a deeper level. Like yes. what you mentioned with the thought that sounds like um, internal family system, which is one of the yeah. tools that you're using, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, just to be clear, like I'm not kind of formally trained in internal family systems, mm-hmm. but the, I, I'm trained in parts therapy. An uh-huh. internal family therapy, system right. is a kind of parts therapy. Yes. And it's just, I think it's just the most sophisticated model of it that we mm-hmm. have. It's very compassionate. It's kind of, right. you know, it's not, it's not us that's broken. You mm-hmm. know, it's like our minds are doing the very best they can in very difficult situations to survive and keep yes. us safe and protected as we move through this 
world created by a tiny fraction of the population mm -hmm. <laughs> built to suit their needs. Yeah, or not even, because, I mean, we also know that, for example, toxic masculinity is also affecting them in very negative ways. And that feminism yeah, is also yeah, for yeah. men and even the most powerful men would benefit yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's, it's kind of it's 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 challenging because we know these things, or at least you and I know that, that, that people would benefit from a more compassionate approach and a more um, perhaps equal approach. But on the other hand, we, have all, we all have our inner critic and yeah. then there is a whole, practically a whole world that is built on top of the inner critics and thriving of the insecurities yes. and as you mentioned like you have a yes. lot of people who are just in it for the money and perhaps some of them who don't really know what they are doing and they just see that yeah. it kind of works by their standards yeah and are oblivious to the bad sides but the bad sides are very real mm. uh, and, and the more we move forward the more we are going to be caught or the, the bad sides are going to catch up with us you know climate change uh, generally oppression of some entire populations yeah. And um, a lot of people uh, tend to accuse capitalism of the problem. Mm. And I think capitalism is one not going to go away uh, because it has been here since the 17th century and it has been very successful at steamrolling everything else out of the planet, unfortunately. And it seems to be something we're going to have to work with because working against it, I mean, mm. some people have tried and, and they're not here to speak about it. Mm. mostly um and it's but i don't feel that capitalism is really the main issue and i mean if it is we are we're doomed right because it's how do you have feelings about that you feel that there is a, a way to adjust it or to work with it or is it hopeless i i think the thing with transformation and problems is that and that, you know, and I know this from like training and marketing that we would love to help people we would mm -hmm. love to be in a place where we prevent problems yes. but unfortunately um we generally don't act until it gets painful mm -hmm. this is very true and so and I, I think that's going to be true collectively, you know, with, um, yes. I mean, it, like even looking at like the, the, the pandemic, like once a healthcare system started getting overwhelmed and we could see how awful this problem was, we acted and we acted in very, very powerful ways. Mm -hmm. Um. I suppose, I mean, it, you know, it was a very clear cause and effect, which maybe is not quite so easy to see with something like climate change. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, I, I, mean, I have hope and belief that we will sort it out in time. I just, I, I don't know what it would take to get enough people to really register the connection between what we do in our everyday lives and the problems out there. Um, but I do believe it's possible. Um, would you say that, like, because you speak about uh, reaching a critical mass at some point uh, on, in, on your website, so would you think that it's just slowly but surely growing and that we eventually will reach enough people. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's about, yeah, so there would be that end as well, that, you know, getting to a critical mass. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that was it. Maybe that's what happened with the pandemic as well. Like, you know, a critical mass of people got how serious it was and the entire planet. You know, every single person on the planet was affected yes by by it and I mean obviously I, I don't know what happened in every country but I know you know most the vast of majority us, yeah the vast majority of people stayed at home 
and were confined to, to our homes for, for months. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I suppose kind of like, yeah, hopefully they will get to this critical man. And also this idea that um, when, uh, you know, the idea of something like the hundred monkeys, where- I'm not familiar with this. So, so there's, there, there, there's research that shows that kind of, there were monkeys on an island. I might have not have the details right, but there were monkeys mm -hmm. on the island that learned how to, it was either kind of like open bananas or open some kind of nut or right. some food source. And um, it got to a point where monkeys on other islands who had no contact with them were able to do the same so there uh -huh. is some kind of like deeper level of kind of connection beyond being in the same physical space where information can go out mm -hmm. and i suppose kind of like activate people right sort of a subconscious transfer of information in in certain directions um but yeah it, these these are problems that are going to take a lot of people working together being able to um i suppose like stay in your own lane and mm -hmm. you know um let an expert who really knows their stuff handle that part of the problem and you stick with what you're an expert in and you handle your part of the problem knowing mm -hmm. that they will kind of all connect up right so that that requires a lot of faith to to reach this point because so far we do witness a lot of on the one hand people not being really in their lane uh, and just trying to handle things that they are clearly or to speak at least about things that they are not really competent yeah. with and that can create a lot of you know like spreading fake news things like that uh, that gets yes. issues yes. Uh, on the other hand there's a lot of people having some sort of imposter syndrome, not trusting what is their lane. And actually, I think it's, it's the, the bad clash between those two groups, which create the really big information problem that we have is that the people mm. who really know don't so much dare to speak up and the people who don't really speak very loudly, or sometimes the people who really know do dare to speak up, but because their uh, opinion is a lot more nuanced, it doesn't work very well with social media. Social yes. media really likes very strong statements. And yeah. um, I find that really challenging. I think the solution lies with the people who really have the expertise and they need to somehow demonstrate their expertise because, well, I mean, you, you can't make idiots shut up. Like that's one of the things, like it's one of the principles in my life. Like you're never going to make an idiot shut up and you're never going to be louder than them. Mm. It, it's mm. about doing your own work uh, as best you can right yeah so that, and that's I think, what you help people with yeah well. I think and I think a lot of this comes from you know getting to those deeper levels of intuition mm -hmm. and I think you know when it comes to things especially like the climate and our connection to nature our relationship to the earth our physical bodies are the kind of most direct link that we have and the bodies tell the truth more than you know they, they, they are absolute truth tellers and they can tell us no it's just the kind of the mind can be powerful and the mind can drown out the communication from the body so a lot of this work a lot of this inner work is about kind of like softening the dominance of the mind so that the physical body can speak so you know the, the the emotions can speak so that you know when anger comes up we we, we know from the work of Carla McLaren anger saying okay my, my boundary's been broken and also this is what is important to me this is what I value this is why I get angry and you know what you were saying you know, going back to imposter syndrome you know um yeah that's that's something um I'm I've definitely gone through but I'm 
and like you know a lot of people kind of like have the imposter syndrome and do it anyway and I've gone you know I've stepped aside from the communication side even though you know I have a degree in linguistics and I've been a languages teacher for over 20 years it's still you know the communicate like it is complex it is a big mm -hmm. topic and no one can ever know every single piece of it um, yes. but still I've kind of let the like oh no I don't know enough to get you know the, the imposter to, to but what I've noticed is like when I get really angry um, is when there's poor communication which is really showing me you know what's important to me what I value um, and especially yes. communication that's causing way more stress upset and harm than is really necessary um, you know and 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 it is you know um, learning to process the anger because there's you know the imposter like wounding Mm -hmm. around it was kind of making the anger too strong and if I you know communicated from that anger it would have been harmful in itself right but learning to kind of you know process the anger and find the wounding behind it um meant that I, you know I'm much more able to kind of step into this place of I I, I, I suppose it's kind of a it's, it's a place of power with it, but there's a humility with it and the knowing that, yes, I know a lot about communication compared to like the average person. There's one hell of a lot I don't know. So I am, mm -hmm. you know, and I could be learning for the rest of my life and yes. there'd still be like plenty to learn. So yes, the, you know, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's played a big part in my life too. And it's, um, it, it, yeah, it, it, it it's taken a lot of kind of um, healing the wounds and find, you know, letting the emotions show the way to the wounds. Right. Um, to be able to, you know, move from that place with a, with a like a humble confidence is probably mm -hmm. the right way. So, to... yeah. So this requires a lot of mindfulness, right? That's at, at the core, the way there is, is mindfulness, right? Yeah. And, even yeah. be aware of your own emotions. There are a yeah. lot of people, even among my students, for example, because I share a lot about meditation uh, in, in my own work as, as a French coach, because it can really, really helps help learn a language yeah. to be able to meditate and be mindful. Um, but I've had students telling me that um, they can't meditate for example, as soon as their mind becomes a little bit quieter, they get overwhelmed with a lot of memories, negative feelings, really like overwhelming amount of basically stored emotion that just as soon, because these emotions want to come up to be healed, right? That's, that's what I told mm -hmm. them. And then we, we, we both know that, um, but they can't do it because it's so overwhelming. And at the beginning, you have to be really soft with it. And if you have a lot of trauma that you've accumulated for mm -hmm. decades, Sometimes, you know, like I, I work with people that are 40, 50, 60, 70, sometimes years old. Uh, they, if you have six or seven decades of accumulated trauma, which you haven't processed, the very moment that you give a little bit of an, an opportunity for the body to like express itself, it will express itself very violently. And mm -hmm. this is also what some disease can be attributed to. Like sometimes yeah. your body just cannot take more and will manifest it as a as a really bad disease just to, to draw your attention yeah and, and often yeah. when the people have these diseases they're they're like it's too late or mm. it's very late yeah 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 so what would you say is a good way to to maybe not avoid this problem but like what, what can we do when someone is in that situation where they, they just the minute they quiet their mind it's not quiet at all basically it's yeah I mean my I suppose kind of like my my probably the top suggestion would be to use some form of creative expression or journaling mm -hmm. to get it out um right. just let it flow just take a um, paper and a pen and not care about what you write yeah you know make sure make sure it's like safe and and, and private mm -hmm. um but literally 
just and and I mean you can even imagine kind of you know because often we can get stuck in blaming somebody else for mm-hmm. yeah you know, and they they may well have done like horrible yes. things but yeah. there's you know they're highly unlikely to take responsibility um yeah. and unfortunately and even if they do it's gonna help you very little after they, they exactly even, like yeah. Yeah, the healing has to come from inside. Yes, and yeah, and and you know, I've I've been writing a book for it's taken a very long time because it's taken me a long time to kind of like accept this communication piece mm-hmm. about myself. But the initial stages of that book, when I kind of really committed to it, it just felt like, oh my god, I am just ranting. I am. Mm-hmm. This is like no one's gonna want to read this this is just me complaining ranting blaming um you know there is no book in this but it was important and giving yourself that permission to just like express it let it flow like emotion is supposed to be in motion and Mm -hmm. you know giving it permission to, to to flow actually it's 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 in the resistance it's in the like oh no I don't want to feel this that actually it can cause more problems but when you you know and and, so for me kind of journaling is is the way I know other people like art or doodling or some other kind of creative expression is is what works better for them but just giving it away of kind of like getting out um of I suppose kind of like like letting a valve out so all that kind of like pent-up energy can right. has got an escape route that would that would be the place to start that would be the way to get started all right yeah thank you yeah. this is uh this is really helpful advice I think it's actionable um I'm look for, looking forward to receiving some feedback from the people who will try and uh, that that will be mm. that will be a really interesting um yeah so it's a it's a long journey basically to to reach a point where you feel confident? Do you think you ever get to a point where you actually feel confident in your gifts and in your, or are you going to always be scared? Not particularly you, but everyone. Do you know, probably my honest answer is, I don't know. It's okay, (laughs) you don't have to know. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's a good sign, because if you could tell me with like certainty that yes, there is a point, but yeah, I was suspecting that there may never be that you get more confidence. And I think, but I think it's just kind of like the nature of like our energy levels go up and down. We kind of move in cycles. Mm-hmm. We're never kind of like, and it's it's never, you know, the myth of like, it's always kind of like expanding and growing up. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's contracting. And during kind of like low energy contracting times, yeah, there would be probably like tons of self-doubt but that's not the time to be taking action. That's the time to be right. kind of like going in, resting, doing more restorative practices. And, and maybe that's, you know, our minds are kind of um, alerting us to that, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, but when there's a more, you know, when we are, we have got more energy, we've got more like resources, we've got more kind of space to, to, to share, then we can be more confident. Um, right. And I suppose, yeah, it's just kind of learning that, you know, we're not like robots that mm-hmm. will constantly improve all the time. It's more flowing than that. Right. And, you know, the, there's cycles and times for rest and times for action. And mm-hmm. so it's about under- like self-awareness and understanding and accepting. Yeah, back to the self-awareness piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting about, you know, because I think one of the advantages with learning a foreign language is that it helps you step aside from mm-hmm. emotion as well. I mean, I've read that, that, yes. that they've, they've um, done studies to show that thinking in a foreign language that you didn't learn as a child means you can think more logically. Yes, it's um, definitely You can think more clearly. Yes. I mean, this is not my native language and I don't know that I could have this conversation as easily in my native language because we're speaking about very complex topics that are can be very sensitive. And for example, when I work with you yeah. in session, uh, I 
don't know how well it would work if you were speaking French. Mm. I mean, maybe I would learn how to do it, probably. I mean, I, of course, I speak French very well, and my French is even better than my English in many areas. But for personal development, for um, self-awareness, journaling, things like emotions, I find that it's a lot easier to do it in English, mm. um, perhaps because I have a more logical approach to you know, my childhood situation with, that was entirely in French. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, like, I've also heard that the logical approach might not be the most efficient, you know, left brain, right brain thing. Like, well, I don't know if it's a metaphor or if it's really true that you have a brain that is logical and another one that's creative. I don't know how good it is to use yeah. logical aspects so much. Like, it seems that it could be a Western view. Uh, like, we really, really want to be logical all yeah. the time. At, at the same again that sometimes there's times when logic is better than pure emotion and there's times when emotion is better and there's times when a combination mm -hmm. like working together and you know I think I'm I have my most powerful moments when I kind of listen to emotion and then bring logic right. to the table so emotion first logic yeah. later yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I suppose, you know, um, some people might have a different definition where they call um, emotion intuition. Um, right. Or, yeah, so intuition first. Mm -hmm. Intuition first logic. And, and logic later. Logic after. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is, is this something that is culturally different from culture to culture? I, I'm thinking about that because you have lived for nine years in Japan and you have experienced, I assume, a very different mindset uh, in Japan and that, that must have helped you or like shaped who you are as a person, right? Yeah. So like, you know, the, the podcast is called Cultural Fluency. So that I, I would love to hear more about how you have, like the experiences you've had in Japan and how it has helped you. So far, you haven't actually mentioned any tool that we would identify as being uh, an Eastern or Japanese a tool so yeah tell, tell me more about that please the, how the mindset is different yeah I think experience probably the biggest difference in mindset is that um in Japan there's much more of an emphasis on the group uh-huh that um far less of an emphasis on the individual and there's a really interesting book called the geography of thought that talks about the diff this difference between like eastern thinking and western thinking right. um and it's encoded in the language as well but often japanese people will not say i they'll drop uh -huh. i in a sentence if it's obvious okay. i'm talking about myself or what i did um yeah, and the, the word i is watashi in japanese right yes yeah. extremely yeah. long as opposed to why uh, well there I. are there are shorter ones that men can use uh -huh. so okay. you know ore is like the the manly i and then boku is like the boyish i, I. um but yeah gen, like watashi is the kind of neutral one mm -hmm. um so yeah you can you can you can drop watashi um and what i noticed is um Japanese people like often the, the language is quite can be quite vague and that's seen as polite mm -hmm. that you're um if you're asking directly that's impolite in Japan right. so they'll often be kind of uh kind of going around the houses a little bit like a, so a lot uh, more than we do because people do this sometimes yeah yeah and it, it annoys me to no end because I don't understand what they are saying um, but I notice that also do it myself sometimes. So, okay, in yeah. Japan, you have to do it, right? It's part of the Gen Generally, to, to be polite, you'd only be like really direct, direct mm -hmm. with like really close people. So what would be, for example, a question that would be considered impolite in Japanese? I mean, please say it in English <laughs> so we understand. <laughs> um, ooh. Like just trying to have an example as to what would be direct or indirect. Oh, okay. Um, I, so probably a better example is kind of like in a refusal of something uh -huh. that kind of you know, if you asked me like, oh, shall we, shall we go for dinner tomorrow? Mm -hmm. um, and then um, 
the answer, if I want to say no, I'm not going to say no. That would just be rude. Uh -huh. um, so I'm going to say, oh, tomorrow's a little. And I don't even finish the sentence. You know, I just I leave see. you to kind of like take that as no, ah, tomorrow's a little. Um, mm -hmm. That That's the kind of thing that I mean. But there's also, um, I just, I, I find Japanese people are good at kind of tuning in, um, mm -hmm. tuning in a little bit more. You know, I had some like, you know, horrible stuff happen while I was there. You know, my, my dad got diagnosed with, with cancer. And I just remember how amazing my coworkers were, that they just kind of, they were able to kind of like tune in and communicate, we're here and mm -hmm. give me space while I waited to, for the phone call to, to find out how he was because he was having surgery. Um, right. And so it was, it was this beautiful balance of like feeling held and not kind of, and, and given space mm -hmm. at, at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I, I think kind of the experience I had is like, you know, a lot of Japanese people are able to kind of tune into what you need a little uh -huh. bit better. Um, that, that is so interesting because at least in France, it's not at all the image we have from Japan. We have, we do have the image of a collectivist uh, society, but really we see them as extremely driven, wanting to be extremely productive, um, not at all in the emotions. Like that's the general, like we have several books, you know, novels that have been written about that situation. Like there's one of the uh, most famous French writer, Amélie Nothomb, well, she's Belgian, but she writes in French. Um, Amélie Nothomb, uh, one of, I think her first book that became famous was about her experience in Japan and how horrible it was that like she was culturally unfit and no one was helping her. So it's, it sounds like the exact opposite of the experience you have. That makes me think she probably dramatized it for effect and might not be at all reflective of the, the Japan uh, situation. And, and likewise, yet, just yesterday, I watched a, a video, like a documentary from a French YouTube channel about people in Japan um, who are called Ikikomori, I think that's the name oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the people who, who just uh, hide away in their room because society is so harsh. And uh, they probably exist, but I suspect that that's a phenomenon that has been cherry picked as like a way to help the French feel superior because it's not at all what you're speaking about. I'm like, that, this is shocking. <laughs> um, yeah, the hikikomori, uh, yeah, it does, it does exist. Mm -hmm. um, but I suppose kind of like, yeah, I mean, that, and I suppose, cause I'm talking from experience the people that I would have encountered and the people willing to talk to a white face right. would have had that bit more confidence. Oh, so they are more culturally sensitive from the get-go, so it's easier. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, that, that, it's another thing is kind of like the contrasts in Japan. It's like, you yes. know, speak to a Japanese person to their face and they will be so polite and so kind get on the train <laughs> it's like completely different kind of right. side gets out where it's like you know every person for themselves to get on get on the trains but yeah I mean and, and and you know the schools I worked at there is this um you know this collaborative mentality that you know the students clean the school as well you know mm -hmm. it's part of their responsibility and for a long time I was like what the hell are they doing that like why are they making them clean because they yeah, don't do a very good job of it anyway yes. but it's it's about the it, it, it it's the act of coming together mm -hmm. to to do it it's what it's what's kind of like cementing the the group roles the group dynamics and and yeah they do work hard but they're working hard together Right. And yeah, I mean, uh, you obviously it can go to the extreme where there's that that word karoshi, death by overwork. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, my last job in Japan was at an um, English conversation school where our lessons would start at like 6.45 a.m. Mm -hmm. 
um, and the last lesson would finish at 10.40 p.m. So, you know, there's people going in very early before work and leaving, you know, and having lessons very late after work. I mean, admittedly, there weren't that many that would, you know, it wasn't full at that time of night, but it was still available because, mm -hmm. you know, the you you don't leave before your boss is the traditional right. like the traditional way of way of thinking and yeah I suppose you know I'm I was always in environments that are open to learning English or mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been there so right. they, they probably maybe they were the more open-minded Japanese people but yeah in in my experience there is there's there's more kind of tuning in and collaboration and working together in that kind of environment yeah is it perhaps their like spirit of group that helps them work more perhaps or is do you feel that those two elements are connected or is it something that just happened to coexist um yeah i think it because i think kind of you know after the second world war defeat it was mm -hmm. the kind of collaborative culture that kind of helped japan get back on its feet again afterwards right. um and you know especially when like the the like huge tsunami hit in 2011 yes the you know japan as a country is a country that can cope with something like that because there's so much cooperation mm -hmm. and coordination um and and you know it it it's it, it's a country the it, like a huge earthquakes happen tsunamis happen volcanic eruptions happen and you have to be prepared for that you know everybody's you know we do earthquake drills every year um, mm -hmm. and you know you have your earthquake kit by the door ready to go in case you right. have to evacuate so you know it's a, it, it's at the back of everybody's mind. So that also um, generates a lot of yeah. resiliency, I assume. It makes people or, yeah. or groups very resilient. Uh, yes. Because, yes. Yeah, perhaps a lot more than we are, you know, in the countries that are not earthquake or tsunami ridden. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. I mean, we are almost at the, the one hour mark already. So is there something you'd like to share or a topic that we haven't discussed that uh, would be interesting? I, one thing we haven't so much mentioned, which I had in mind was globalization. Mm. And because it, it, globalization brings the best and also the worst. Uh, if, if it wasn't for globalization, we probably wouldn't have COVID. Uh, globalization is also a side effect of capitalism. It's because capitalism has successfully steamrolled all the other cultures that we are even able to, to be so connected. Mm. And at the same time, people have never been so connected, but they also have never been so isolated and so alone, or at mm. least some people. And I was wondering if you had perhaps tips to, um, to feel genuinely connected either with you know, the close family member or sometimes also with other culture, because right now it feels like, I mean, I'm, if I take my own example, it's easier for me to connect with people across the world than with my own family. Mm. And mm. I don't think it's good or bad. I think it just is. Uh, mm. think, you, know, you don't choose your family. Um, but I think it's still worrying that we have this hyper-connected world in which we are also hyper-individualized and we are not, not so much individualized, but isolated. Mm. And also often not in touch with our own gifts, mm. uh, the thing you, you work with. So what can we do about this? What can we do to be respectful to ourselves and also to others? And I mean, I know it's a very broad question. I can't even express it concretely, but you see what I mean, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, the plague of, of the 21st century is that we are so connected and we're so alone mm, and, and mm, so mm, powerless mm. at the same time where we have never had that much power. Well, at least in terms of technology, we've never had that much power. So we're yeah. disconnected from our natural capacities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that probably is part of the answer, getting back to our natural capacities. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, we, I've, I've talked about the, the parts that, you know, the, the inner critic part or the wounded child parts, but behind all of those in every person, is a completely fine center the mm -hmm. center that's like peaceful 
and can't. Um, you know, all spiritual modalities speak of like, you know, this central part. Um, and religions like, you know, point to it as well. Um, internal family systems calls it the self with a capital S. Right. Um, you know, other modalities I've done would call it like the unconditional love of the creator or soul. And it, I think it's remembering that like that part is in each of us. Right. Um, each and every one, regardless of culture or regardless of, you know, as long as you're human, you have one. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think it, it, it's kind of really moving more. I suppose it's like a heart space, isn't it? The mm -hmm. more we can kind of like in the head, we separate. Right. In the heart, we can accept our differences and not use our differences to disconnect, but use our differences to get more curious mm -hmm. and explore and ask questions and I think in in that more kind of peaceful heart space is where like the the true connection can come from and right. for you know from that space you don't speak in divisive ways you speak in kind of more connected ways and I suppose I suppose it's kind of like the environment that like someone like me or you know other therapists and healers that kind of vibe that we set up in our sessions brought outside of like a, a therapeutic healing environment to relationship mm -hmm. where yeah you can bring in you know that little bit more self-awareness coming into the heart so that you can you can speak emotional truth but you're it, it, it it's like you're you're with it rather than in it right right do, 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 yes yes this is so interesting exactly. because you describe exactly the same process that i describe for my students to learn french and to actually not just learn french but become able be, become a french speaker i i prefer to yeah. say become a french speaker than learn french because everyone can be learning french yeah but it's another story to actually be able to speak in in real life and it's really interesting because yeah. I always tell people that there, there needs you need a safe space yes. to practice and to learn, and then yes. you need to take what you've learned in that safe space and and apply it in the outer world. And it sounds exactly like what you say. With you have the space of therapy, where you really it's safe, or it should be at the very mm. least, uh, because I mean we could also have spoken about how not all therapy is safe, unfortunately. But ideally, the ideal therapy space and you make a great job of that um it's completely safe no i mean it's yeah. true completely safe for for the, the person in therapy and then they learn some skills which they can then apply in their relationships um out, outside so yeah yeah uh, how how can people get started with that uh with having if they have no idea what to do i mean you, you got you gave the advice of journaling um, but you know, you say it's about being centered and being aware of the, the self or the spirit, the thing that is fundamentally human, like behind all the conditioning and behind all, basically the conditioning is cultural, right? While the, the self and the center is what's truly natural um, to us. But most people have it completely buried. Yeah. What can yeah. they do? And I suppose, you know, part of that is kind of reflecting on you know, who are you when mm -hmm. you're calm? What are you doing when... What if they're never calm? Okay, if they're never calm. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's true. It's the reality for many people. If they're never calm, ooh, um, I suppose that would... Again, I go back to kind of like being, you know, accepting the not calm. Mm -hmm. and like the more you try and the more you fight against or you, the more you're trying to fight for being calm right the more not calm is going to get activated mm -hmm. so, yeah, so what, what you resist persists right yeah, yeah 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 the more you push against it you know same you know same with us you know if someone if we really want someone's attention and they keep kind of like you know pushing us away 
um, generally, you know, and, you know, we really want their attention. We're going to keep going. We're just going to kind of like up the ante with what we're doing. Um, And and it's the same with kind of, you know, different, different parts of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, if there's, if there's no calm whatsoever, I think that would, that would be kind of like taking those, exploring different ways of um, approaches to meditation that maybe like sitting down and being quiet mm-hmm. is not going to work, but right. maybe something that involves a bit of movement where your mind is more mm-hmm. focused on something else. To relate might... more to yeah 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 so maybe um yoga Mm -hmm. without the expectation that i'm kind of you know it's like you know that you go to the the yoga as you are i mean Uh, yoga is not supposed to include the expectation that this is the western variation that has added the expectations to it yeah Yeah. but you go to yoga as you as you are to meet yourself really isn't it it's kind of this is where i am now after some of the poses, I may be more relaxed and energy may be, you know, calmer energy may be flowing mm-hmm. more in me. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a self-awareness practice right. as well, yeah, isn't we're it? Always coming back to self-awareness. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah in terms of I suppose, I mean, could you, I mean, could you give me an example of like someone who might not be calm? People who are just really, really stressed out, um, sleep poorly, eat poorly, um, that, that, that happens a lot. Sleeping poorly, eating poorly. And just, um, you know, working, like, you know, there's such a thing as high performing depression. And right. some people, they just like, they keep going through the motion and they don't even, Sometimes they are so removed from themselves, they don't even realize that they are depressed. Right. Um, in that case, I suppose kind of like... I mean, if they don't realize that of... they have a problem, they're probably not going to listen to this or they don't, probably don't have the time. But assuming they realize that, oh my God, like I have a problem. What's the, the first step? Okay, you are frozen. Oh, no. I'm, I'm back now. Yes. Yes, you're back. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, we were just uh, speaking about um, the question was, how do you, what's the first step if you realize like, you know, you've been on the treadmill and you haven't been taking care of yourself at all and you're just completely removed uh, from, you know. Again, I think um, someone in that position is probably only going to take any action when they hit rock bottom. Right. It gets painful. So the action is, yeah, they get the realization that it's it's wrong and yeah. yeah. And I suppose you know it's kind of letting yourself off the hook if you have kind of let yourself get to that point because it's mm-hmm. just like we generally there's a lot of kind of like oh yeah I sh- you know yeah I need to do that someday and like, oh yeah you mm-hmm. know I, I I should work on that and it just kind of goes on the to do list and right you know all of those parts of the mind that are keeping us ticking along you know keeping it seemingly mm-hmm. safe from being overwhelmed by emotion and or you yeah. know wounding there you know merrily going about their thing and yeah unfortunately often it does take it getting painful before mm-hmm. we'll before we'll do anything right but I, I, well, I know from my experience that kind of like help shows up in mm-hmm. some form. And if you then, you know, you make the commitment to take action, to find out how to, right. how to sort it out. And often, unfortunately, that's how we learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if someone is at the stage of uh, making the commitment and wanting to you know, do the kind of work that you describe, uh, I assume that they could potentially work with you um, on that, right? So where, yes. can people, where can people find you? So um, the best place, and I have an old website, hopefully by the time people will it's, have seen it, it will be okay. a new website, but it's, it's just my name. 
jackiemackin.com and I've got right um, jackiemackin.com right I'll put that in the show notes yeah um and then I have through the website you can find like I've got kind of online resources like I've got some kind of self-awareness um journaling prompts mm -hmm. um and meditations as well but just right. kind of with a little bit of hypnosis to help calm the mind mm -hmm. more and take you into that kind of altered calmer state um mm -hmm. yeah because yes. so, hypnosis techniques can can help a bit more um, right to, to do that and it, it's not about control it's just about um knowing how the mind works a little bit mm -hmm. better yes. to be able to guide it to to calming down yeah yes very good so th those are available on your website right um or through links on my website yeah or links on your website all right very good well jackie thank you very much for joining me today and thanks to you for listening to this episode uh, if you enjoyed it please leave a review on whichever podcast platforms you've been using uh, or a comment if you've been watching this on youtube and it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a comment or a review and that really helps others find the podcast as well Please stay tuned for the next episode and take care.